Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to a special edition of the Ice Guys NHL Free Agency Recap Show presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We hope you missed us because we missed you guys. We are back today. This has become our basically midsummer rite of passage, our annual tradition here that we rejoin you for one day uh, in the middle of the summer. And we do it to recap the free agency uh, period in the National Hockey League and this ended up being a pretty crazy NHL free agent period yeah. in terms of <laughs> signings, in terms of shockers. And we're obviously probably going to start right off the top talking about Johnny Gaudreau uh, and the whole situation that unfolded there. But it was an incredibly busy, exciting, uh, you know, suspenseful uh, free agent period this year in the NHL. Excited to break it all down. And this show, as it always does, we're going to talk not only the signings, who we thought improved, who we thought maybe got worse after free agency, but also how this impacts each team next season uh, from a betting perspective. And now that we've seen these rosters start to take shape over the last couple of weeks, who do we like in terms of bet on, bet against, who maybe has value in the futures market right now? We'll talk about all that stuff. Of course, you know who this is, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith with me. We should have uh, Jimmy Murphy and Andrew McGinnis along uh, at some point during the show as well. Uh, Alex, it's been in a crazy free agent period. Let's start with the big one, obviously, the headliner, and that's Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, obviously, we found out the eve of free, agent, free agency opening that uh, it was not going to happen with him re-signing in Calgary. It was just not going to happen. It was not going to be uh, something that would take place. He would be uh, moving uh, and changing uh, to another team. Uh, and we found that out pretty quickly, the eve of free agency. But coming out of that, we knew he wasn't going back to Calgary. Every insider and every reporter that you would hear uh, basically the next 24 hours was stating that three teams specifically were involved in maybe signing Johnny Gaudreau. The Philadelphia Flyers the New Jersey Devils, and the New York Islanders. Those were the three teams that were really heavily linked to Johnny Gaudreau. And sure enough, lying in the tumbleweeds, if you will, not getting mentioned one iota, here all of a sudden comes Yarmo Kekalainen and the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, coming al- along and whisking, uh, whisking uh, Johnny Gaudreau away. And he ends up signing uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets and actually taking less money on an AAV standpoint from an AAV standpoint than he would have gotten with the Calgary Flames. And uh, obviously this did not sit well uh, with Flames fans, especially because they felt bitter, not just that he didn't return to Calgary, but because they thought, hey, you pushed this shit to the very last minute. You didn't allow GM Brad Tree Living and the front office of the Calgary Flames to have a legit plan B in place in case you decided not to re-sign in Calgary. And look, Flames fans were livid. They were. It got to the point where you've got fucking TV people on in Calgary basically uh, you know, throwing little pot shots at Johnny Gaudreau saying the one Calgary anchorman basically said they're so livid. They got a Calgary anchorman saying, yeah, that's it for the news tonight. Uh, I could go to Columbus, do the news there for less money, but – uh, never, and it was just, it was a pot shot, definitely at Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, it was not a very happy city. It was not a very happy fan base. And, but at the end of the day, Johnny Gaudreau made a decision that uh, works better for his family in terms of his wife, Meredith. They're going to start a family. They want to be closer to home, closer to Johnny's parents. 
Uh, and of course, they're better able to do that in Columbus uh, compared to Calgary. Uh, taxes maybe play an issue, play a part in it as well. Maybe just getting out of Canada because look, they've been stricter from a COVID standpoint right from day one. So that's probably part of it. Maybe just being back in the U.S. And someone wrote an article about how all of a sudden there's a lot of these players, American born, that play for Canadian teams, and it's amazing how they're starting to say, "Hey, I want to get back to the states." You know, when it's time to sign a new contract. So. Johnny's done it. We know Matthew Kachuk looks like he's on his way out for Calgary uh, as well. Uh, of course, now there's speculation two years from now, Toronto's going to have this same issue with Austin Matthews. So it's just, uh, it, there's something I think a little bit to that. But, you know, as far as Calgary goes, you know, this is this has been a rough, they've taken some gut punches. They've taken some blows. They've taken some uh, the, the, uh, punches to the jaw, if you will, uh, here in this offseason. Uh, they've lost Johnny Gaudreau. They are definitely going to lose Matthew Kachuk because it's now a question of when, not if he gets traded uh, from the Calgary Flames. So goodbye two-thirds of one of the best top lines in the NHL uh, last year for the uh, Calgary Flames with those two guys out, which means you better damn well get Andrew Mangiapane signed uh, if you're Brad Tree Living, a 35-goal scorer who apparently has some issues with the way he was dealt last year and or handled in terms of this guy only got six, 16, 17 minutes ice time. It's a guy that had 35 goals for the Calgary Flames. So, you know, it's not exactly a slam dunk that he, they're going to get Mangiapane re-signed either. But obviously it's a huge loss for Calgary. And what this does for Columbus, like at the top of my head, from a just from a hockey standpoint, you know what being there means from a location standpoint and for, for family purposes, Johnny being in Columbus. But from a hockey standpoint, it's not like Johnny Gaudreau is, you know, close to a Stanley Cup in Columbus. You know, it's just an interesting choice from that perspective. He, people are saying this is a guy that's is, is winning at the first and foremost, you know, concern for him, choosing a place like Columbus as opposed to, not, not like Philly and New Jersey are close, but the Islanders were certainly close. But it's not like Lou Lamorello has a track record of signing big-time free agents in the offseason. That's not typically his thing. It's just an interesting choice, uh, to be polite. Uh, and it's fascinating to see how it'll fit with Columbus. Look, there's pieces, Alex, with uh, Columbus here in, in terms of offense. He could put him with Roslovic, who had a breakout year for Columbus. I remember, from a prop standpoint, we were betting him quite a bit. Patrick Lyonet, I would think now this probably uh, signing Johnny Gaudreau it gives the uh, Blue Jackets a better chance probably to bring Lyonet back. You know, there's pieces there. Um, but boy, it's just an interesting decision. I mean, if you're if your singular focus for a guy that got to the second round of the playoffs this past year is contending for a cup, is Columbus really your best uh, option, best choice to do that? I'm not so sure. Alex, uh, obviously a stunner. Johnny Gaudreau yeah. to Columbus. What do you think? Well, I mean, here's the thing. You're talking about you know uh, you know if he's looking to win right now. None of those four teams, in my opinion, were were a good option for him. To be honest, I mean, yeah, the New York Islanders for you know what it's worth. They had some, you know, decent runs back-to-back conference finals. Of course, the collapse last year, which largely had a lot to do with them starting, you know, the first month of the season on the road. Uh, other than that, that that team probably, you know, if they have a regular, you know, start to the season, they're probably a playoff team. But who knows what they could have done? And, and I think style-wise, I think that's really the 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 kind of balance. Like I said, he wanted to be home, close to home. Jersey and Philly would have been closer, obviously, but. To be in Ohio and and the style, that's, like I said, it's going to be up and down hockey. We know how how Columbus played most last year, one of the best teams as far as the over goes, uh, an offensive juggernaut. Now, if they can re-sign Lyon in it and have him 
uh, you know, paired, you know, side by side, Gaudreau and Line. That's that's a hell of a, of a top line, and I think that style suits him better than what we're going to see now with Tortorella. That's going to be shut down defense all day now in Philly. Uh, he said, you know what the Islanders are going to do defensively. New Jersey's got to kind of work on their defense as well. I don't think they're going to be uh, a run and gun team. So I think that's really what kind of won out for Gaudreau uh, with those other teams. Because if that's the case, I mean, like I said, if you're looking for a winner. We're talking about teams that you know were firmly planted at the at the bottom of the of the East last year, uh, between Columbus, New Jersey, and Philly. So uh, that wasn't the case. Said there's other factors there, and I think he can turn that Columbus team around. The Columbus certainly would be a bet on team. That certainly would look to be an over team again this year uh, if they can keep, like I said, Line A as well as adding Gaudreau, and really not doing much else with the back end and the goaltending. So from a betting standpoint, it's wonderful. But from uh, just the up and down, his wins and losses, like I said, you know, I don't think too too much is going to change. Like I said, Gaudreau's going to have to kind of, uh, you know, live with the fact that he's with a team that, you know, maybe 500 at best this season. Yeah, I mean, to me, Columbus is certainly going to be a fun to watch, more fun to watch, obviously, with Johnny Gaudreau there. And can't argue with the, the way the top six is shaping up. If Voracek can still give you, uh, you know, relatively solid offensive production, now keep in mind, uh, for the uh, Blue Jackets this past season, still had 62 points in 79 games, which is pretty good, uh, 56 of them being assists. So he's still very good in the playmaking department, uh, for sure, for the Jackets. Uh, you know, they got uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, very capable offensive player. Uh, Cole Sillinger, I think, is going to continue to get better for this team. And like I say, if, if it indeed looks as if, as the depth chart currently shows, Alex, Goudreau, Roslovic, and Lyonet, that is a pretty damn good top line. Pretty damn good, especially if, if is Roslovic ready though to be a top line player because it looks like they're going to try to elevate him to that. Right. Keep in mind, this is a guy that yes, he had an incredible run in the second half of the year, especially offensively, uh, to get what he ended up getting with four, uh, 22 goals, 23 assists, 45 points. But so much of that was the last month or two in the season. Now you're going to be facing top, you know defensive forward lines of the other team you're going to be facing the top defensive pairs of the other team you know are you going to be able to continue to maintain and improve that offensive production now if you're going to get elevated to a role where you're going to get check tighter you know that's going to end up being the big question with a guy like jack rostelvick i think that's the case like i said and and, and it all hinges on on keeping line a around as well too i mean you know if you lose line a then you've kind of just upgraded his spot with with Gaudreau. And you kind of back right back to where you were, and and then he said that's the question mark. But but Rostovic paired with those two guys, I think yeah, his offensive production will definitely uh, be as high, if not higher. Uh, and he he should be a, a decent top line guy for that team. Like I said, it's still not going to mean much. I still don't think they're going to win a lot of games. But uh, from from personal yeah production standpoints, and, and you know, you know talking about betting on uh, player props, that line, and if, if you're a fantasy hockey, uh, you know if you're into that as well. <laughs> That's the line to, to kind of circle one of one of the many lines to circle uh, moving forward. And a lot of this is going to hinge upon health as well for their goaltender, Elvis Merzlikens, who I don't know if he's a number one goalie yet. We don't. I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's too early to say whether he is or he isn't. I need to see more. I need to see more. I need to see if he can. You know, avoid injuries, which was a bit of a problem for him this past year. When you look at Elvis Merzlikens' numbers, I mean, he ended up uh, this year with, uh, you know, 59 games. It's still a lot of games played. They did, when he was available, I mean, they worked him into the ground, especially worked him into the ice, especially late in the season, uh, but ended up with a 3.22 goals against average, 907 save percentage. Those are, you know, they're average numbers. They are. And and so that's probably why, Alex, and I'm with you 100%. 
Uh, Columbus probably going to be a team to bet over the total in their games next year. Uh, I do think the offense will be there. It's certainly improved with Johnny Gaudreau uh, now coming into the fold, but there's questions about the defense. There's questions about the depth there on the blue line. Uh, when I look at it, I, I like the top two or three. Uh, is Erica, Br- Erica Branson had a shockingly good defensive season last year with Calgary, and now he's signed by Columbus. What's he going to be like next year? You know, uh, how are Boquist uh, and Bean going to fit? Uh, uh, Boquist in particular, uh, Merzlikens, of course, uh, big question mark there. And remember, behind him, you've got Jonas Corposalo, who was dreadful last year, uh, and Daniil Tarasov, who is a virtual unknown. We don't know what he can do at the NHL level. So Merzlikens is going to be a critical component to whether Columbus has any aspirations whatsoever of playoff contention. Yeah, absolutely. And if he can kind of keep them afloat, maybe through into the deadline, if they can be a wild card contender or, you know, then maybe they make a deal and upgrade in that position. But that that's going to be a, a giant question mark for sure. All right, absolutely. So let's pivot to Calgary, the other team obviously directly involved in the Goudreau situation. Uh, obviously, you talk about winners and losers. I, I have to grade Columbus a, a, a free agency winner just because they got Johnny Goudreau. It will help them offensively. You know, it's some, they've had difficulty long term signing massive, highly uh, ranked free agents for years, and that's another thing to watch moving forward. Does Johnny Gaudreau signing in Columbus do anything whatsoever to move the needle in the future to other players around the league to say, hey, maybe we'll give Columbus a look. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll give them a, look, a shot here and uh, give them an opportunity to show us why we should sign there. Because you're right, it's been a tough, tough sell for Yarmo Kekalainen. And he's basically going above and beyond. If you watch Johnny's introductory press conference, there's Yarmo Kekalainen doing everything in his power to say, I don't get the... Uh, the haterade, so to speak, toward people signing here in Columbus. So, and it's good on him to do that because you look, you work for this team, you work for this organization, you want to be successful. You got to do everything in your power to pump up the Columbus market and make it attractive to uh, impending free agents. Yeah, that's a great point because that's been an issue for them. I mean, pretty much since their inception. Uh, you know, obviously they drafted Rick Nash, uh, a player of his caliber. They probably wouldn't have been able to sign. Uh, yep. in, in the mid and late 2000s. And, and like I said, there's like, there's, they've just had issues keeping guys around. And, and I've heard good things from, you know, former players about Columbus. But at the same time, it's just that it's just not the big draw. It's not a, it's not a big city. Uh, you know, you have, you know, you're close to, to, you know, Cleveland. But that's that's about it. So it's it's not something, it's not the most attractive draw. It's not New York. It's not Chicago. Uh, it's not even Detroit or, or Minnesota. Uh, so they have to get somebody to try to build things around. And like I said, the draw may be, that piece that can help, you know, them build around and say, Hey, okay. It may not be the you know biggest city in the world, but at least we've got some good hockey players here. And now we try to add and, and, and be a perennial playoff contender down the road. Yeah, no question. Uh, Calgary, ob- look, this hurts. This off season hurts. Yeah. There's no question about that for a team that got to the second round of the Stanley cup playoffs last year, losing to Edmonton uh, in the battle of Alberta that thought they'd be ready to come back this year and give it another shot in terms of Stanley cup contention forget Stanley Cup contention. This is a battle in for life and death, I think, to make the playoffs next year right now for the Calgary Flames. It's easy to say, hey, we can pivot from this and find a way to replace what we've lost, but you're talking two-thirds of, uh, of a top line last year that was absolutely uh, outstanding for you. Say what you will about you know Johnny Gaudreau's struggles in the past, but he was magnificent uh, with the production. Uh, for the uh, Calgary Flames last year, that's be, how are you going to fill 40 goals and 75 assists? You know, from last year, how are you going to fill that void? 
if you're Brad Tree living. And now it looks like Matthew Kachuk is going to get traded. Not when, but if. And it looks like St. Louis is involved. New Jersey is interested. And lo and behold, the Ottawa Senators might also have uh, their eyes on Matthew Kachuk in a potential trade uh, with the uh, with the uh, Calgary Flames. And, and our guy Jimmy Murphy, I actually saw one of his tweets earlier today. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald, GM of the Devils, you know, family connection to the Kachucks. So that's why New Jersey, I think, definitely has some involvement in a potential trade for Matthew Kachuk with the uh, Calgary Flames. And look, they struck out and missed on Gaudreau. I thought they overpaid for Andre Pilat to be on. And I like Andre. Nobody knows, nobody likes Andre Pilat more than this guy. Not after the way he uh, came through for me time and time again yeah. in the Stanley Cup playoffs from a prop standpoint uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. But I did think they paid a little bit too much uh, for Pilat, uh, if you ask me. But it was still a nice addition. It's just you worry about, you know, four or five years from now, you know, for a guy that's played a lot of hockey, how much is going to be left in the tank for Andre Pilat. But Getting back to Kachuk, you know, there are teams in the mix. And from a Calgary perspective, you're, you're already without the 115 points that Johnny had last year. You're going to be without the 62 assists, 42 goals, 104 points that Matthew Kachuk had last year. You got to replace guys that combined for over 200 points on your hockey team. How the hell are you going to replace that now in free agency or via trade? You're not going to be able to do it. So the, the arrow has to be, Alex, pointing down a little bit on the Calgary Flames. They've got to get Andrew Mangiapane re-signed now. That is imperative now, uh, especially now that it looks like Matthew Kachuk's on his way out. But, you know, if you do re-sign Mangiapane, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a top six right now. Lindholm, Toffoli, Coleman, Backlund, Mangiapane. you got to move Lucic back to the top six role. I don't think Lucic is at the stage of his career where he's ready for that. And I'm hearing that they're already talking behind the scenes that maybe play Lucic in a top-line role because he'll use his big body to open up ice and space for his line mates. I don't know. It's just It feels like now with Gaudreau gone, Matthew Kachuk about to be traded, we're in a bit of a scramble mode for the Calgary Flames, for the GM. I'm sure Daryl Sutter's already thinking about what the hell am I going to do? How am I going to patch this forward group together uh, next year? It's scramble mode, and it's just been, look, there's nothing else to say. It's been an, a massive setback, especially up front for the Flames. I still like the blue line for the most part with Hannafin and Anderson and Oliver Shillington had a terrific breakout year for them. Uh, Markstrom still, you know, I think a, a, an above average good goalie in the National Hockey League, even though he had his struggles with Edmonton, which he always seemed to struggle for some reason against the Oilers. But, yeah, this is definitely, Alex, in my opinion, an offseason where for Calgary it's it's been a tough one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, you knew you weren't going to be able to get good draw back. But now to not, you know, be able to keep Kachuk around, uh, like I said, it's massive. That's a massive loss for a team that, let's keep in mind, they had a super hot run offensively at the beginning of the year. But then they kind of cooled off, and, and they were just kind of stagnant. They played, you know, Daryl Sutter defensive hockey for the the majority of that that you know second half, and they carried them through. And you know, they were able to kind of get the offense sparked at times, but it wasn't enough. I mean, it certainly wasn't going to be enough to get past Edmonton the way that they were playing in the, in the postseason. You got past Dallas, but you know, when, when Dallas scores maybe one or two goals a night, so uh, that series and that was probably one of the. I think one of the worst playoff series, honestly, in the last two or three seasons, to be honest, at Dallas Calgary, it was it was like it was me listening to nails on a chalkboard watching that series of those two teams the way that they were playing going into the postseason. So now you lose that offensive spark. 
and of course Sutter, you know, going to say, all right, well now we can, you know, play more of my brand of hockey, but his brand of hockey does not work in 2022 and 2023 uh, for a full 82 game season. You have to have offense uh, more nights than not. And they won't have that kind of offensive production. Mangiapane, I think they'll be able to sign him easily now because, like I said, he wasn't getting the minutes last year. Well, he's going to get a ton of minutes. If anything, he's going to get overworked, and maybe we don't even see that kind of production because he's now the the, the ace uh, of of that that top six uh, you know line right now. Like I said, Milan Lucic having to come back up to the top line. It, it's just a, a disaster right now. Calgary's got cap space. They've got some some solid uh, prospects. You know, I talked a lot about Dustin Wolf, the goalie they've got down in the AHL. He had a tremendous run in the AHL. I think he might be ready for prime time sooner than than people think. So if I'm a team that has some offense and, and you know looking to rebuild, hey, you know Chicago, if, if I can try to put together some kind of package, I mean it seems like Patrick Kane. We'll talk about this a little bit later. Maybe he gets moved at some point. I, I thought you know a couple weeks ago when when Francie started, I'm thinking okay Kane's going to get moved, and I thought one of the teams that might have been in the running for it would have been Calgary because we knew Gaudreau was gone. There had already been talks at that point about Kachuk being gone. And if I'm Chicago, I try to package something and get Dustin Wolf out of out of that deal, uh, and and maybe get some other younger guys as well, younger pieces as well. But Calgary is going to struggle this year, especially with how we've seen things kind of float turn around in that Pacific Division. Vegas is going to be better. San Jose is going to make a little bit of noise more than they have. L.A. and Edmonton, I think, are going to bump up as well. So uh, it's it's going to be rough sledding for Calgary not having that offensive punch and spark, and they're going to have to, like I said, do something, and maybe they have to do something drastic to try to pull themselves back into the mix. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, uh, they, they, by the way, not only number one and number two in points and scoring for the Flames last year, but this is 219 points of offensive production lost for the Calgary Flames from last year with with Gaudreau gone and Kachuk likely gone. I mean, have fun replacing that, Brad Tree Living. I guess that's why he's paid the big bucks, but I don't even think uh, he, his salary is big enough to warrant a, a job of this magnitude. I mean, my goodness, trying to replace these two guys. I mean, if you're Elias Lindholm, too, uh, who's had a terrific season, how does this impact you? Are you going to be able to find that? Are you going to be able to find your own offense, generate your own offense? Because a lot of the times, too, their pucks are being put right on a tee for him, you know, by as Gaudreau in particular. You know, how much does this impact Lindholm's production offensively? He's going to have to really uh, generate a lot more, you know, on his own next year. That's going to be interesting to see. Can Mangiapane step in and help, you know, replicate at least some of that production? I mean, he did have a breakout season, 35 goals. You're right. They've got tons of cap space now. They will. So they're going to be able to re-sign him. So, but big question marks now with Calgary moving forward. My first thought, Alex, is uh, under their win total next year, Calgary, uh, after everything that's gone down, and probably under the total with their games next year, especially now that Sutter's entrenched there. Uh, you could see this team playing a lot more of the 2-1-3-1 variety. Uh, next year uh, in a lot of games, given uh, the offensive production uh, that's been lost. So Calgary, definitely a lot of questions moving into uh, next year. Uh, when you continue to look at uh, what transpired, I want to talk about Tampa Bay Lightning a little bit. The defending, yeah. uh, well, not, not defending anymore, but two-time defending Stanley Cup champions until this year when they were knocked off by the Colorado Avalanche. Three-time Eastern Conference champions, if you want to say that. <laughs> yeah. Three in a row to win the East. Three times in a row in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and if you wondered if this team was going to just go away and die next year, think again. And Julian Breezebois is hell bent on uh, ensuring that that hopefully doesn't happen because I like that he locked up a lot of key pieces. You know, obviously they weren't able to re-sign Palat, but hey, 
you're not going to be able to keep everybody. But they re-signed Mikhail Sergachev, Eric Chernak, two very key important defensemen uh, for this team, especially when Ryan McDonough now in Nashville, uh, and obviously with Hedman, uh, obviously, you know, getting older and he needs more support on that blue line. But to bring back Sergachev, sign him long term, sign Eric Chernak, who's just a warrior. He is just a will do anything at all costs to win. He'll block a zillion shots, go, limp off the ice and come back five minutes later if he can. Those are the kind of guys you win playoff games and win playoff series with. And then you sign uh, Anthony Sorelli as well uh, to an eight-year extension. All three of these guys. And Sorelli's two-way forward game uh, is just impeccable. It's outstanding. He can give you offense, and he is about as good as it gets uh, outside of Patrice Bergeron uh, away from the puck You know, as a forward defensively. So for uh, Julian Breezebois to get all of these moves done, uh, great job. It ensures that Tampa Bay is still going to be, you know, battling to win the Atlantic. Will still absolutely be uh, a team capable of winning multiple rounds uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And what I also like, Alex, is I thought for sure Nick Paul was gone. That there was no way he was going to come back to Tampa Bay. They found a way to get him re-signed yep. uh, as well. Uh, a guy that had an incredible impact uh, and had a terrific Stanley Cup playoffs for the Tampa Bay Lightning during the spring. Uh, and the and I thought for sure they weren't going to be able to keep him, and sure enough, they did. Uh, great job by Julian Breezebois. They're a winner. They're a clear winner in free agency. Not so much that they made a ton of signings. It's who they were able to keep from last year's team. You know, they lose Palat. They lose McDonough. But, boy, they did more than enough to make up for that and then some. And, look, Tampa Bay, as far as I'm concerned, unless uh, Vasilevsky gets hurt out for the season, that kind of thing, which can obviously change everything for them, he's that important to their success. But, uh, there's no reason to think they're still not in the mix next year. That's true, but they're still going to have to do some other things here. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, they still are $7 million over the cap as of right now. And, and the, you know, obviously that's also with uh, with Sorelli now, you know, being listed as, as on IR. So I don't know if, if this, you know, they have issues. Obviously, they've had a lot of guys that are banged up. It's quite possible they could have somebody miss the entire season again. And I know everybody's going to say, oh, here we go again, Tampa Bay you know, uh, storing people on long-term IR, but they literally had a ton of them. You can go through it on Twitter, the, the injuries that they have dealt with over the last two or three years. And we talked about it throughout the, the postseason about how, how many games this team has played. There might be some guys who won't be ready and, and may not play at all next year uh, based on, on the lumps and bumps they've taken the next couple of years. So unless they go that route, they're going to still have to make a couple more moves and maybe move a couple of key pieces uh, to, to get within the cap. Because like you said, if they have an injury, and heaven forbid they have an injury to Vasilevsky. They're in, in, in total disarray. But uh, but they did a great job. And like I said, the, the re-signs that they have, especially to the Nick Paul, that, I mean, it's a great deal, and especially uh, money-wise, too. You're only talking about $3.1 million, uh, you know, AAV uh, for the next few years. So that's a, a, a great re-signing for sure. They're going to be in the mix. But uh, like I said, you know, I worry about them at the beginning of the year from a betting standpoint because, like I said, that much hockey. We saw it last year. Uh, they struggled early. I think yeah. we might see that again where we, we might see them struggle early. They might be a fade team uh, in, in October, November, just because of the sheer amount of hockey they played. And if they don't have certain guys coming back and fully ready and fully healthy, uh, you know, they, they might, it might take them a little more time to kind of get fired up. They might be like, like we've said about Pittsburgh the last four or five years where they have those injuries. They kind of, you know, weather the storm in the first yeah. half and then they can bounce back in the second yeah. half. Of the season. Yeah. That's what I mean actually by not going. I a hundred percent agree with what Alex just said in terms of the regular season. 
they are not going to be a team I'm going to be looking to back day in, day out, game in and game out in the regular season, especially early in the year. But if they, if they're, I, I certainly expect them still to be a playoff team. Once they're in the playoffs, they're as dangerous as any team, as far as I'm concerned. That's going to be the key. And, and to be honest with you, look at last year as a perfect example. You know, they just coasted and glided their way through the regular season. They finished third in the Atlantic. They had to start every playoff series on the road. Think about that. They didn't have home ice advantage in any playoff series last year and still ended up going to the Stanley Cup final, uh, which tells you they just are, you know, let's get everybody, uh, let's just use the regular season to get everybody, get the chemistry, get the cohesion down pat. If guys are injured, we're not going to push them back. We're, you know, we'll, we'll give them all the time they need to recover from injuries. We'll just muddle our way through the regular season. Just get in the playoffs. Doesn't matter where we finish. Let's just get in, uh, and then all of a sudden turn it up at playoff time. That's becoming the mo for Tampa Bay, kind of like your Golden States and the NBA and some of these other teams in other sports, where it's just the regular season's just coast get into the playoffs doesn't matter where you finish and then we turn it on at playoff time one big thing though and i i predicted this during the postseason I, I said it on some of the live shows and some of the tape shows as well the atlantic is going to have a complete turnaround and we've definitely seen that now with how boston has fallen off and how ottawa has now picked up and yeah. ottawa looks to be the team that, that that could really make some noise in that division no, there's no doubt about that. I agree with that. And you're right. For years, we've talked about this Atlantic division just being this massive gulf between the top four and the bottom four uh, in that division. It was Toronto, Tampa Bay, Florida, Boston, you know, for years, just just leaps and bounds better than the bottom feeders in the Atlantic, Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo uh, in that division. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was just a huge gap. Uh, between those teams. Uh, but this year, that's going to change, and that's a perfect segue to the Ottawa Senators, uh, who, look, Pierre Dorian's just on the uh, off-season of a lifetime, uh, in all seriousness, for the Ottawa Senators. It's been uh, marvelous to see what has transpired here uh, for this uh, team uh, in the off-season and the improvements they have made. You know, it started with bringing in Alex Dabrinkit from the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, a, a terrific move. Uh, that he was able to make. He re-signed Josh Norris, who is going to be a key piece to this team for a very long period of time. He ends up bringing Claude Giroux back home to the Ottawa area, of course, an Ottawa guy, uh, to play uh, close to home for the Ottawa Senators, one of the first signings uh, announced on uh, the first day of free agency uh, last uh, week uh, on the 13th, a week ago today, uh, was Claude Giroux to the Ottawa Senators. And look, as Claude Giroux on the back, you know, probably latter half latter quarter of his career probably but he's still a great hockey player he's still a a guy that brings great leadership to a team especially a young team like the ottawa senators he can do so many different things score set up power play penalty kill play in all situations uh that is what claude Giroux brings this team so i think it's a perfect fit considering the youth uh, uh, that you've got on this ottawa team you know that you're able to bring in a guy uh, like uh, claude Giroux. so i absolutely love what they did uh, uh, signing him, one of the marquee free agents available, uh, which was great to see. And, and now all of a sudden, you've got yourself a blue line here for the uh, – now the blue line is the, still the concern, the depth of it. I like Thomas Shabbat. Everybody does. Thomas Shabbat is already an outstanding defenseman. Uh, if Travis Ham- Travis Hamannick was always one of my favorites in terms of just defensive prowess, sh- positioning, shot blocking, do all the, the good stick position all the things basically to be a good stay-at-home defenseman. Brandstrom's got a lot of upside. 
you know, we'll have to see how he plays, if he can keep uh, improving. Uh, they've got Zub, Holden, and Zaitsev. I'm a little bit more suspect, I guess, if you will, with those three guys. So the blue line does have some depth concerns. Cam Talbot, uh, of course, uh, moved out from Minnesota. Uh, basically not thrilled with the idea of maybe platooning with Marc-Andre Fleury once the Minnesota Wild uh, re-signed him again. And uh, apparently his agent made it known, hey, we weren't thrilled at the Talbot camp. Uh, about that whole scenario. And Bill Guerin said, hey, basically, hey, you know, pal with you. You know, you don't want to be here. We're going to move your ass out. If you don't, nobody, if anybody doesn't want to be here, we're not going to keep you here. Uh, and sure enough, uh, dealt to uh, Ottawa uh, was uh, Cam Talbot uh, to the from the uh, Minnesota Wild. And of course, the Minnesota Wild get Philip Gustafson, another one of Ottawa's goalies back uh, in that trade. So, and look, Cam Talbot's, Cam Talbot, when he's on his game, he's, he can be as good as anybody. And then when he's struggling, it can be it can be rough. <laughs> so it, it depends on which Cam Talbot is. We saw it last year. It was a tale of two years. He was amazing early in the year. And then his struggles, Alex, leading into the trade deadline is what led to Bill Guerin having to go out and address the goaltending and get Marc-Andre Fleury for the Wild last year. So Cam Talbot consistency is still a question. But up front, this, this top six, I'm telling you, and I said this on Twitter, Kachuk, Norris, Giroux, Dabrinkit, Stutzla, Batherson, and not, that's not to mention Pinto, who's yeah. plugged in on the third line at the center spot right now, who could be an excellent player long term for this team as well, offensively for the Sens. That is about that is phenomenal what they've got in the top six. But here's the caveat to all this it's this black cloud known as this Hockey Canada scandal yeah. that is going on right now. And as we've seen the last couple of days, your Taylor Radishes, your Jordan Kairos, and go on and on, or stepping up with statements saying we were not directly involved in the wrongdoing uh, that took place, clearing their names, so to speak, at least in terms of being the people that per the perpetrators, being the ones that committed the act. You know, they, they, who knows who knew what, you know, all along about it, but at least they weren't involved in committing the act. But all of a sudden now, as more of these players step up with these statements, we now are getting a better idea who might be guilty. And we don't want to charge guilt before, uh, in you know, innocent till proven guilty. Of course. But the more the players step up making these statements, and you've heard basically Jack from certain players, specifically from the Ottawa standpoint, Drake Batherson and Alex Formanton, who were members of that 2018 World Junior Hockey Team for Canada, who fit the age criteria of possibly being two of the people that were directly involved with that heinous, ugly, despicable sexual assault incident on that girl. Uh, it's all of a sudden a situation where Ottawa, and this goes back to our thought that they might be in on Matthew Kachuk, maybe looking at contingency plans to replace a Drake Batherson. If he gets the book thrown at him or suspended indefinitely from playing in the National Hockey League, if he's found he's directly involved with this sexual assault incident, uh, that could change things a little bit. And maybe uh, Batherson's not even playing for the Sens next year. Formanton's not even playing for the Sens next year. And they maybe then are even more interested in looking to get a Matthew Kachuk in a potential trade with the Calgary Flames. But we'll let it play out. All I'll say this about this incident, and then, Alex, I'll get your thoughts on Ottawa, is I'm sick of the term, and Don Cherry came up with it 20 years ago, that you're basically you're basically worthless. You're basically not worth my time uh, in terms of being an, a guy I'm going to praise, I'm going to give accolades to, unless you're a good old Canadian boy. We always heard this from Don Cherry for years. You got to be a good old Canadian boy or else I don't like your Russians. I don't like your Swedes. I don't like your Finns. 
He didn't like Americans a lot for the most part. That's the way Don Cherry thought. Well, Don and everybody else that had that old dinosaur way of thinking and doesn't believe in growing the game and doesn't accept it when other countries beat Canada, which is still a fucking mindset on Twitter that how dare Canada lose to Finland? How dare Canada lose to the Czech Republic? How dare Canada lose to Denmark in a world hockey championship game? All those morons that think that. Well, what do you think about your good Canadian boys now? When you see something like this take place, a despicable act of sexual assault like this, what do you think of your good old Canadian boys now? Some of them aren't so good, are they? Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Hockey Canada, shame on them. It's a chain of corruption that's going on right now. It's sickening, and it's got to be dealt with. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Alex, so... and like just to slightly tail on that, like I said, and, and we'll focus more on Ottawa, but the fact that the information came out that, you know, basically, you know, fees for Hockey Canada were being used as a fund to cover up certain things and, and pay off people. The vacuum that, cleaner fund. Yeah. Suck up the mess. Clean up the mess. Nobody will suspect a thing. Clean up our little dirty little secrets here. That's right. despicable. It is. It is. And so yeah. with that being said, whomever is involved with this directly, they're going to get the book thrown at it. Like I said, I mean, there's, you know, everybody is basically calling for Hockey Canada to be dissolved and rebuilt. So you know that the players that are involved, they're going to be dealt with directly through the NHL. I mean, God, we've, we've had how many of these scandals now, you know, obviously the Hawks scandal and different things over the last several years. The, the league has to take notice and they have to take super strict action now. So for any team that's got players involved, and another huge player involved is, you know, like I said, you know, mentioned as far as names being Carter Hart, Philadelphia. Uh, there's other players, like I said, there's, there's been a list and, and people have been, you know, you know, saying that, you know, they're not involved, this or that or the other. But whoever it is at the end of it, when it all shakes out, the book will be thrown at them. So Ottawa, with them having a player potentially having the book thrown at them and having cap space still, despite making all the great moves they have, signing Giroux, uh, getting Cam Talbot, which I think is a great deal because even, like I said, Cam Talbot for his struggles. The thing is now, Talbot, he finally gets to be in a position where he's the guy. He didn't have to worry about splitting time because think about it. He was also splitting time with Cockle before Flurry got there. They were running an A and B system in, in Minnesota at the beginning of the year, even when he was playing well. So he doesn't have to worry about that now. I mean, Anton Forsberg's not coming for his job anytime soon, right? And he, and he played well despite how bad Ottawa had been the last year and a half. Talbot being the one, the, the number one guy, getting all the time he wants and, and proving he can still be a top goalie at 35 years of age, he's got that window open. But now with you know Matthew Kachuk now possibly having this possibility of playing with his brother, Ottawa now adds more fire to the, to the field of, the, of that top line if Batherson is cleared. And if he's not, then you just filled that hole with a player who's good enough, if not better, and you're still in great shape to, to make some noise in, in, in not only the Atlantic Division, but the Eastern Conference as a whole. The way that this team's shaped up right now, if, if everything can, can stay intact and healthy, they may be a year or two away from being a Stanley Cup contender. No joke. Because Talbot's contract's only one year. They'll have more money come up. They can go get a number, number one goalie, a top-tier goalie, and sign him for to a long-term deal. They have the forwards to keep them afloat for a few years. They can go sign some top-tier defensemen when some of these contracts expire. So this year is a big stepping stone for them. If they can be a playoff team this year, the next season, the 23-24 season, we could easily be talking about Ottawa you know, challenging 
uh, with, with Tampa Bay and, and the Colorados and the Carolinas of the world. It's, it's not that far-fetched of an idea anymore. As bad as Ottawa has been for years, they finally hit that point now where the rebuild's over. Now it's time to contend. Uh, and, and so they've, they've got pieces. They've got spaces to do that. Like I said, uh, they, that management has done a, a tremendous job, uh, you know, getting things lined up the way they have. We've been so critical of them for years, but they've finally got things. All their ducks are in a row right now, uh, it, it seems. And it, it's definitely a time to buy on Ottawa game by game. And I think – even the futures market, I'm, I'm already looking to bet them uh, with their win, t- you know, their point total uh, over, and probably take a shot with them to make the playoffs as well. That's the best one because I, I'm actually probably going to sprinkle just a tiny bit on the conference and the Stanley Cup. I doubtful, but uh, I think the best one to best way to approach it with Ottawa is the yes no prop to make the playoffs. Yeah, I absolutely definitely. think the yes is going to be worth a look because I think they've got potential to make it there. Again, Talbot's going to be key. You're going to need these younger defensemen to develop, and your depth back there is still a little bit of a concern. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing them try to get another veteran defensive-minded defenseman in here. Pierre Dorian can do that. Mm -hmm. That's the one area of concern. But, boy, up front, they're they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. And uh, that top six, I'll, I'll stack that top six currently constituted. Forget, throw out for a minute what's going to happen, if anything, to Batherson and sure, Foreman, right. and we'll see how that develops. But as right. of right now, is currently constituted. That is a top five, top top five in the NHL, top six forward group, in yes, my opinion. Definitely. Uh, hands down. And here's the thing. If you look at the futures right now, and it, in my eyes, it's way too early to bet any future, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, or Cup. But if you look right now, the books haven't downgraded – Boston yet the way they need to. Tampa Bay is still, you know, considered you know the t- top tier of the, of the East. Then these are two teams we're telling you right now they're probably going to slip down. Well, Tampa Bay I think slips early. I think Boston slips way out of it as Jimmy Jimmy comes into the to the, to the show. I think Boston slips way out of it this year. So you're going to get good value still with Ottawa on you know yes or no for the playoffs. You're going to get good value on their point totals. Uh, because the books haven't really paid attention. The books are just thinking, oh, same old Ottawa, you know, same old shit. And you're probably going to get great value on them. Like I said, the first 20 games, they're probably going to be underdogs in about 10 of them, but they shouldn't be. So that, it's definitely a team I have brightly circled in green uh, to, to move on in the first month, month and a half of the season. Immunity and yeah, there are a bunch of uh, bet on teams that I'm that I've got near the uh, on my list for next season. They're at or near the top. Ottawa as well, no question about that. With everything uh, that they have done, uh, it is a great thrill to have Jimmy Murphy back uh, with us. We haven't seen Jimmy on this show in quite some time, but uh, great to have Jimmy joining us here on our NHL yeah. free agency recap. He has been busy like you could not believe uh, with the Hockey Now websites. Uh, you know, writing just a, writing up a storm. Uh, on a regular basis for both of them. Jimmy, good to have you back. And uh, just anything free agency. I mean, what do you want to talk about? What stuck out to you the most? Good to see you guys. Um, You know, I I, I think the the one thing right now is that, you know, obviously the Johnny Goudreau. I mean, I think that took everybody by surprise. He went to Columbus. However, look, I I, I, want to say that I I, I think right now, you know, I I think it's starting to tone down a bit, but off the get-go, you know, Columbus and him, we're getting a lot of flack, you know, oh, how could you go to that place and all this? And look, guys, I'll tell you, Columbus is one of my favorite places to go on the road when I travel to cover hockey. I've had a great time there. It's very reasonably priced. It's much more reasonably priced to live there. Not that that would matter in his uh, stratosphere, but uh, it, it's a it's a cool place, you know. It's it's low key, and they they've got a good fan base. They 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 pack the place a lot. It's 
it's not as bad as everyone seems. I just didn't picture them as being in contend now mode. I kind of had them in a rebuild yeah. mode right now. Mm-hmm. So that caught me off guard. So, yeah, that, that was surprising there. I know New Jersey was uh, was in on them for sure. Uh, I was surprised the Flyers uh, didn't make any move there. That's another team maybe we should get to later. They're, they're kind of disgusting me right now. Uh, Chuck Fletcher is just really – Chuck like Fletcher's he, disgusting their fans right yeah, now. Yeah, he well, I mean, it's well. pretty clearly clear not got his old man's prowess to swing for the fences and get a big deal done, right? No, they're they're tanking it, man. They're tanking it for Bedard. It seems like so. Um, but other than that, I thought you know it, it was it's been a fun off season so far, both with free agency and trades. Um, I think obviously the news we just saw today, uh, Matthew Kachuk is is gone pretty much from Calgary. They're going to work out a trade for him, and I'll tell you right now. Keep an eye on the Devils. They missed out on Gojo, but as I tweeted earlier today, Tommy Fitzgerald is a second cousin of Matthew Kachuk. Uh, he's, he's a cousin of Keith Kachuk, his his father and former NHLer. They grew up together, played hockey together uh, when they were kids in the Boston area. They're like a hockey royalty family here in Massachusetts. So uh, they are definitely a team that's going to push hard for him. I was even told, I haven't even wrote this, but I'll break it here if you guys want, that there was a deal on the table between New Jersey and Calgary for Matthew Kachuk at the draft, with which would have sent the second pick overall to the Calgary Flames. And the Calgary Flames backed out at the last second, thinking that this this moment or this uh, you know this offseason can never get this bad, I guess. But now they're in this nightmare, and they're going to have to make the best of it. And they're definitely not going to let him just walk. They're not going to let him get to that point. Uh, it's pretty obvious they're going to put together a deal here soon so they at least get something for Kachuk. So keep an eye on Jersey when it comes to that. Wow. So basically, poor Brad Tree living. I mean, egg on his face, essentially, thinking, I'm not pulling the trigger on this trade. Yeah, and and it's tough. And he's thinking, I'm still wanting to get something done. We think we're close with Johnny. Johnny's still Mm -hmm. talking to us right till the last minute. And then all of a sudden, it obviously falls apart. And nope, Johnny says, nope, I'm going to leave. And that's when, obviously, the entire offseason changed for the worse. Uh, for the uh, Calgary Flames. And uh, Jimmy, you weren't with us earlier, but we talked about Goudreau and the whole thing with uh, him going to Columbus and now Kachuk about to be traded. And I said it earlier, I just wanted to say it with you with us as well. That's 219 points that you have to replace from last year losing those two guys if you're the yeah. Calgary Flames. I mean, Unbelievable. And, and, and that right there, I think, uh, well, it, it, other, like, should caution us by saying, I mean, who knows? Maybe Tree Living says, screw it. I'm going to just blow it up and rebuild right now. We'll see what the type of return he gets for Kachuk. We'll know if he's doing that or if he's still going to try and be competitive. If they are going to be competitive, though, and they can afford it and they're not bringing back as much salary um, in that in that trade, I mean, you have to think they're, they're a contender for Nazem Kadre. I don't know. You know, that could be done by the time the trade happens. He could go somewhere else or maybe he goes there. You have to think they're in on him. I mean, because yeah. they're going to have space. They need a center. Um, but I do know that Nazem Kadre, you know, by all accounts from reports and people I've spoken to, literally chose Colorado over Calgary uh, when he waived his no movement clause with Toronto to go to Colorado. So I don't know what would cause a change of heart, especially now if, like you just said, they just lost yeah. all those points in that offense. Right. Why would he want to go there? Yeah. Um, my God, is he ends up staying in Colorado. I think that's why it's taken so long. He's just waiting for them to accommodate it. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something, man. It's a lot of stuff going on, boys, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on. You're 100% right. It's been crazy. but uh, and, and you and you like Ottawa pretty much, uh, Jimmy, along with us, what they've done. It's been a great yeah. offseason for Mr. For sure. Dorian. 
Yeah, I love it. I love what they've done, guys. And uh, look, I don't think Claude Giroux signs there if he doesn't think they're going to be competitive. I don't think this was just him going home to, you know, retire in his hometown. I, I think, that, you know, he, he made it. Look, I want to know you're in this. And once he saw them make the Brinkett deal and then the Talbot deal, I think he was convinced. And uh, they've already got a good young base there. You know, they, there's a chance, though. We, let's not forget this, guys. We could be talking, uh, singing a different tune over the Ottawa Senators if all of a sudden – uh, Batherson and Formanton are named yeah. in this sexual assault we, case. We, we talked about with that. Hockey yeah. Canada. I don't know. Yeah, you guys want it. So that mm-hmm. that could change a whole dynamic there because yeah. I would imagine their contracts will be terminated uh, immediately uh, if that yeah. happens. So this is that's something to follow there. Like it would be a shame if all of a sudden all the goodwill that you know the Ottawa Senators have built in their fan base and around the NHL is all of a sudden blows up in their face with that. So well, and that's, that's why I, I think and I, I tweeted it and talked about it earlier on, on this, but. I think they all maybe that uh, Ottawa's a dark horse to get Kachuk. Why not have him play with his brother? And and you've got the space for him already now. If nothing yeah. happens, and if then if something does happen, you've got even more space, and you just plug him right in where back. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. I I just don't know how long. You know, it all depends on the timing of each thing happening. For right? Sure. How long? Yeah. How long will they have to pull the trigger on a deal versus when this thing is yeah. settled with Hockey Canada? Uh, right. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'd love to go back and play with his brother. The only thing I'd say there, Alex, is that it seems, from all accounts, one of the reasons he doesn't want to play there is he wants back in the States. Right. That, yeah. you know, I think, you know, and this is the thing that happened with Johnny Goodrow, too, that everybody kind of didn't talk about enough is a lot of these American guys, man, that were up playing for Canadian teams. I know from covering the Canadians, and we saw it with Jeff Petrie, uh, you know, they were kept away from their family and their, and their hometowns, even in the summer, they couldn't go back because of COVID, uh, you know, and it, it, some of them went almost two years without being back to their original hometowns in the States. And I, I think that's changed a lot of the dynamic there for the Canadian teams, not for in a good way. I think that it's made a lot of players want to be close to their home. And yeah, people are going to say, well, then why did he go to Columbus? Well, it's still only 500 miles versus the other side of the continent, right. you know, and it's a, it's yeah. a quick flight. It's an hour and a half flight back to Jersey. So um, you know, that's, that's a dynamic to keep in mind there in terms of him going to Ottawa. I, I think I don't see him ever turning down because his brother's there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for people saying, oh, Toronto should go after, I, I think Ottawa is the only Canadian team yeah. that Matthew Kachuk will go to. Yeah. And, and you know, what? one thing too, uh, and I, I, you know, get your perspective on it because Ian talked about that briefly too. Do you think that's going to definitely change, especially with the trade deadline? Do you think we're going to start seeing, Canadian players getting moved to Canadian teams and American players getting moved to American teams a bit more because of that aspect that they haven't seen their families except in almost two years. Do you think that that could be uh, something that really kind of plays into some of these moves that we see during the, 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 the yes. regular season? Yeah, definitely. I think it already was playing a role, even at the draft and at the trade deadline. I think it was being talked about behind the scenes when, you know, players have a choice if they've got a no movement clause, no trade clause. And they have some control. I'm, I'm sure that they've said, I would prefer to go close to home. Um, because who knows, guys? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be Sally Downer, but who knows what the hell could happen in the future with all that? Of course, sure. I mean, it's already picking up again. I'll tell you right now, I've been, I feel like I got hit by a truck. I've been sick for four days. And thankfully, I, right before I uh, hopped on here, I had a work meeting. But before that, I, I got a COVID test, thankfully negative. But yeah. I know 20 people that I was with at times during the NHL draft weekend that ended up with COVID from being there 20 right. people from one weekend. And I'm sure there's way more, but that's just what I know. Um, so who knows what the hell can happen? And I think the players have that in the back of their mind that look, 
this world's a mess right now. And, you know, if I have a way to do it, I want to be closer to home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which has, and the prospects of seeing what's unfolding right now, as I said earlier with Goudreau and maybe Kachuk and wanting to go back to the States. Although the one Canadian team he might go to is Ottawa because of the, his brother playing there yeah. as all of a sudden Kyle Dupe is shitting bricks in two years when he's got to deal with having to bring re-sign Austin oh, yeah. Matthews and yeah. keep him in Toronto. What if you still haven't won a damn playoff round in two years from yeah. now? Uh, all of a sudden, the possibility of him not staying in Toronto and, and maybe playing closer to home becomes even more possible uh, and yeah. a greater possibility. At that I like point. the go- I like the Samsonov signing though, guys. Yeah, the goalie signing there, I liked it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that he he's got some skill. Look, first round pick he was Ilya Samsonov. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not a first round sure. pick. He sucked in the playoffs. No, nobody can argue that. But overall, his stats weren't that bad in regular season. And furthermore. The Capitals sucked as a whole the last couple of playoffs, right? Yep. I mean, they haven't mm-hmm. been anything special. It's been more yep. about, you know, Ovechkin breaking the record. But team-wise, they haven't been that great. So That was no pillar of strength blue line on that Washington no, team last no, year. No, not at all, guys. So yeah. I, I kind of think that that could be kind of an under-the-radar signing that, that might pay off uh, yeah. and get Dubas off the hook. It's a, good, it's a good change of scenery move, I think, yeah. more than anything else. For yeah, us. it's a roll of the fucking dice, both of those guys, Matt yeah. Murray it and really Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, he's yeah. he's gambling, paying you know, paying on the cheap to bring these two guys in instead of giving the term, and the term is what the hiccup was with re-signing Jack Campbell. Yeah, and that's why Jack Campbell is, which is a great fit, obviously, yeah. for the Edmonton. Oh, yeah. perfect. There's no question Much about needed. that. So yeah, Toronto and Edmonton, they're two teams you can basically uh, partner with here in terms of talking them at about them at once because it's really all about the goaltending it's just a huge roll of the dice because matt murray's played what 88 games over the last three years combined right i mean he's just not been able to stay healthy when he's been on the ice he's been good at some games horrible other games no consistency whatsoever i do think actually to be and i said this to a couple leaf fans i know and i said don't be shocked to feel you samsonov's the starter on opening night oh for sure actually i think is the guy the younger goalie Less wear and tear on his body. Uh, I think a greater upside long term. Remember, he was drafted in the first round by the Washington Capitals. It would not stun me in the slightest. Mari could be a good one B. Guys, well, the other thing, too, people were like, oh, well, I can't believe they didn't bring Campbell back and all this. I'll ask those people right now, what the hell is Jack Campbell one? Can I, oh, nothing, right? Nothing. What the hell is Matt Murray one? Oh, two Stanley Cups. Yeah, I know it was in 16 and 17. He still yep. won him, though. And nobody can take that away from him. And you don't just lose that winning mentality, that that winner inside of you. And I think the guy's got something to prove. And, and what a place to prove it than in Toronto. And you make a great point there. Yeah, I think a great scenario would be for Samsonov to emerge as the starter. And then Murray, you know, you minimize his games. And so he's, he's still going to be able to stay healthy. And he also could be a mentor. Uh, to Samsonov as well. He could be a good veteran mentor. He's been through a lot in the last few years. He's probably learned a lot about himself in the game. And he could be a good influence on him. So I, I, I kind of really, I never understood the whole thing about Jack Campbell, guys. I mean, he's good, but he's not hes not that special. Well, as, as far as resume goes, I mean, Auntie Niemi has entered the chat. Like, you know, yes. Right. You know, so, you know, winning, winning a Stanley Cup, yes, he's won two, two cups, but yeah. Murray's really had one good season. That's yeah. pretty much about it. But like you said, I agree with you in the sense that Samsonov being the starter can now let Murray be a true backup. I don't even think right. it's a one A one B situation. I think he would just be a, a solid number a two. Back. Yeah. Let him let him get healthy and let him re regain that focus and, and maybe regain that that high level we saw uh, in Pittsburgh. And then he can you know that would be a formidable tandem because that's what they need. Toronto's going to need two goalies 
to, to finally break this curse. They could use some defensemen too. No, of course that as well. But, but yeah, so so they're gonna but they're gonna need both of those guys to play at a high level. And I think having Samsonov be your number one guy right off out of the bat, and then let Murray kind of work his way back to to a higher level. I think that's the best way for them to approach it uh, going into the season. Yeah, no question. And they're also a team we talked about Tampa Bay earlier having to get cap compliant, make a move or two to get under the salary cap. Toronto has to do that uh, as well. So there's hints that Hall might be traded. There's hints that maybe Alex Kerfoot might be traded so we'll have to watch and see if anything develops on those two fronts uh, moving forward but yeah Toronto to me is, I do think they're like I like that they brought back Giordano I really do I think that's going to help them I do think there's I thought that blue line last year did play better than they have in any recent year uh in my opinion but you know now with Murray and Samsonov back there that's just a huge couple of question marks but you weigh the the, the risk the, the cost benefit analysis I guess if you will to steal an economics term you know the cost of Keeping Jack Campbell was too much in the eyes of Kyle Dubas and said, we're going to go a little bit you know, riskier potentially with Murray and Samsonov, but it's going to be better financially for the team because we're dealing with such a, a strain with the salary cap. Uh, and that's they're going to sink or swim with that decision. And, and you know what the, the thing day. is, what what made Jack Campbell so attractive of a move to even get to Toronto, and of course what he did the first you know few games he was there, but his, his starting point in L.A., he, you know, had some flashes of brilliance. I think him going back to the Western Conference, I talk about this all the time, sometimes with goalies. I think flipping conferences can make a, a wealth of difference. I think him going back to the Western Conference, I think, maybe helps him. And obviously, we know Edmonton needs all the help they can in that. Uh, it's been like that for a while now. I think they might have finally solved that problem. Yeah, no question uh, about that. Uh, Edmonton, we mentioned it, you know, getting Evander Kane back. That was a little bit of a surprise. We weren't necessarily expecting that to be the case, but Evander Kane uh, re-signs with the uh, Edmonton Oilers, and you would think that McDavid, Hyman, Kane trio is going to remain intact. Uh, and, of course, Dreisaitl, yeah, I mean, you're going to be just outstanding up front. There's no question. Uh, you're basically coming back with the – very close to the same blue line for the most part intact. You're going to have Nurse, CC. They re-signed Brett Kulak, who they got at the trade deadline last year. Bouchard is back. I'm sure Philip Broberg is going to get an increased role uh, with the team, and they have high hopes for him as a long-term good blue liner for the Oilers. Barry, of course, as well. And you're going to be dealing with a duo, assuming Mike Smith does indeed retire, because I think either way he's not, not going to be back in Edmonton or he's going to retire. You're going to be having a duo of Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. For the Edmonton Oilers there. I had to get one of those in. but uh, <laughs> And Stuart Skinner is ready to be a full-time NHLer. Obviously, he's going to back up Campbell. Yeah. But there's nothing more he can prove at the AHL level. He's been outstanding right. at the AHL level for Bakersfield, the Condors there uh, in the AHL. He's ready for full-time NHL duty. But obviously, now with bringing in Jack Campbell, is going to be the backup. But yeah, Edmonton's right there next year. I mean, the key for them is going to be, can that defense play well? And can Jack Campbell resemble the Jack Campbell when he first joined Toronto and early last year when he was outstanding. And I'll even say he played good in the playoffs against Tampa Bay, even though they did not win that series. They didn't lose that series because of Jack Campbell's performance. You know, it's just, it was a close series. It was a tough series. I mean, he loses game seven, two to one. You know, what the hell do you want the guy to do? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think he played that poorly. So I like the situation overall for the Oilers going into uh, next year. Uh, and certainly as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl stay healthy and they've got Hyman, they've got Kane now back in the fold, they've got offense for days, and that's going to win them a lot of hockey games, even with some question marks with defensive depth and even with the Campbell-Skinner duo, which we, we think they could be good, but we got to see it first as well. 
Well, and you got to also mention the addition by subtraction and Duncan Keith hanging up his skates is a, a big move for them because yep. he was just an albatross defensively the last year. I mean, as great as he is, he's a future Hall of Famer. Obviously, some games were just tough to watch, just some it, of them. Yeah, it was brutal to watch. So by him being out of the fold, you let these younger guys develop. I think that's even better for, for, for Edmonton moving forward. And they've got goalies. You know, you got a goalie in Campbell now where if the defense folds, he can at least give you 40 saves and, and maybe steal a game or two at night. No. Uh, so I think Edmonton's in, in, in much better shape than I, than I predicted. Uh, potentially, so they're like I said, with the, the way things are flipping around in that Pacific Division, they could be right back back at the top of it for sure. Yeah, we're not making Campbell and Skinner look like the best duo in the National Hockey League as far as goaltending is concerned. But is it more trustworthy and reliable to me? Two younger guys, two very capable, good younger goalies than Smith and Koskinen were Absolutely. for the Oilers last year. Absolutely, well, guys, yeah. don't they have somebody else? I can't. I'm pretty sure they got somebody else uh, coming um, from below, like. That they they I forget the guy's name. I read something about it that might be pushing in camp. So they might even have a young guy if Skinner doesn't work out as a backup. They might even have another guy coming up. I, I would say too. I think that as we saw last year, guys. I, I mean, Edmonton definitely tightened up as a team defensively more than they had been in recent years, right? I mean, they they paid more attention to that. They made it a focus. It made them respond. You know, made them more responsible out there. And I thought that was one of the things that carried them into the conference final. Yeah. And don't forget, they've got a guy, not not goaltender, we'll have to look in to see what their goaltending prospects are. But I know there's one player in particular that he might even get an NHL look next year. He's going to probably start in the minors, but he might be up in the NHL at some point because he could be that good. Xavier Borgo for the Edmonton Oilers. Mm. He's absolutely terrific in the Memorial Cup, playing for the Shawinigan Cataracts. They got to the Memorial Cup this year. They won the QMJHL championship. He was outstanding at the world. Well, the world before they got shut down, the world juniors, and of course, the world juniors will be uh, done next month in August. They'll be uh, doing what after it was postponed uh, last year due to COVID. But Xavier Borgo is the real deal. Uh, I think he's going to be an outstanding. They already have a lot of offense. There's no question. Now you're going to add him as another center uh, on this hockey team. Uh, absolutely good returns for him. I think definitely long term. So keep an eye out for him. Uh, he'll probably end up being a really good player. Um, it's funny. It's funny that you're talking about the goalies with, with, with the Oilers, and I wondered. And as we were talking about, I'm like, wait, what happened to Miko Koskinen? And I see he's now in the. He's in Europe. Yeah, yeah he's in the he's in the, the league where the goalies pretty much go to go out the pasture in, in Switzerland. Yeah. So. yeah. Exactly. He's going to enjoy his last few years before he retires, probably uh, over in Europe. All right, we'll do the re we'll do some other teams in quick hitter style before we wrap up here. But we do want to get to a few more teams. I want just quickly on Anaheim. It's not like Anaheim lit it up with free agency, but just some nice, smart signings like Ryan Strom, for instance. You know, to insulate the center spot for them. And when you look at how that team offensively last year looked with Zegras and Terry and. Uh, Isaac Lundestrom stepped up, and you might probably have Mason McTavish on this team full-time, someone I saw very uh, closely here in Hamilton with the Bulldogs, uh, with, uh, another team that got to the Memorial Cup last year. Uh, this is going to be a great forward group. Now, we talked about Ottawa with Formanton and Batherson. They've got a potential situation with one of their forwards, Max Comtois, uh, as well with this unfortunate, ugly, heinous Hockey Canada scandal that he might have direct involvement with that uh, sexual assault incident. So what comes of that, we'll have to wait and see. But the blue line, Jamie Drysdale, having him for another year is a good thing. Um, you know, they end up, Josh Mahura's got a lot of upside long-term as a defenseman. Cam Fowler can still play at a high level. What do you, do you get a bounce back from Gibson, right? 
If you get a bounce back from Gibson, if you get the John Gibson that has had, for the most part, a terrific career and not the John Gibson that, look, at times last year struggled mightily, couldn't stop a beach ball, there's some really a lot of things to like about Anaheim. You know, you know the Kings last year were that team from the Pacific Division that shocked everybody making the playoffs that quickly? That could be Anaheim this season if, if John Gibson can get his shit together. It's kind of a big if, but I love them up front. Drysdale up at the blue line because it's going to continue to get better. There's things to like with Anaheim, in my opinion. There, I agree, and they got a lot of money still left that they can spend. They got 30 million in cap space, and they still got roster spots open. So I can't imagine that they're done just yet. I think there's going to be some movement. I can see them making some moves between camp and opening night that kind of bolster that lineup even a, a bit more. And like I said, they could be a player uh, in that wild card, you know, range like like LA possibly. And, and I think if you build some defense around Gibson. Then you know you he don't, you know he has to be the guy that stop make fifty saves tonight. That's the thing. I mean, Gibson's still in my eyes one of the top five goalies in this league. When he's healthy and he's got at least an uh, adequate defense in front of him, which he hasn't had for most of his Anaheim career, this guy is lights out. So you know, let him be able to rest and give him some defense in, in front of him, uh, and, and along with that offense, Anaheim could make a little bit of noise for sure. They're definitely definitely a bet, a, a bet on team when they're a dog more than they've been in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm surprised with guys, all the talk we heard, right? And I mean, people I talked to, despite all that talk, said there's really been no substantial offers for John Gibson. I mean, we've heard his name for what, since the trade deadline, you know, he's been out there. Um, You got to imagine, you know, that the Ducks are asking for a boatload for him. So, uh, you know, that's probably why he hasn't been moved right now. But I would keep an eye on But his agent also said, Jimmy, he's committed to Anaheim, apparently. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you talk about four more years and six point four million too. So I mean, yep. for a team to take that on, they've got to kind of do some finagling. There's not not too many teams that are in the spot to do that with a number one goalie. Uh, there's a couple teams that could do it, but but, uh, but like the, I, I, the, I, the two teams I would have looked at would have been the Devils and the Senators, and they already took care of that. So exactly right. Yeah. 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 No question. Uh, Dallas, nice job getting Mason Marchman. I like that for da- mm-hmm. for Dallas next year. Uh, I don't love the coaching hire, to be quite honest with you, but I like Mason Marchman uh, being brought in there for the uh, Dallas Stars. So I like that move. Colorado, well done, bringing Big Val back. Uh, Nachushkin, who was just absolutely outstanding in the playoffs last year. Uh, Buffalo, I really like everything now about Buffalo, except I'm still questioning their goaltending a little bit. Like yeah. his, uh, Craig Anderson is back. I mean, what's he got left in the tank? Eric Comrie, if he can show, he really played some great games for the Jets in limited action last year for them if he can if he can show you something then buffalo's a contender for the postseason as well but again it's going to be the goaltendings ba- i love the labushkin addition they need a little more grit sandpaper defensive-minded prowess on the blue line physical defenseman Ilya labushkin is that they signed him so and we know we like buffalo up front how can yeah. and owen power a full year of him uh, certainly is going to be great for this hockey team next year. Uh, and up front, I think it's there's a lot to like with Tage Thompson uh, breaking out and having a huge year last year. Peyton Krebs is only going to get better. That was a huge piece in the Eichel deal that they got. You watch him, he's going to have a big year. And Dylan Cousins, I'm telling you, Dylan Cousins is ready to have a big-time season. He really is uh, for this Buffalo team. He had a great World Hockey Championship for Canada uh, just a few months ago. Uh, the, up front, I love him. Uh, defensively, they've gotten continued to get better. Uh, it's going to be, what are you going to get from Anderson and Comrie? If they can get even solid goaltending minimum from them, 
uh, Buffalo is going to be in the mix. Not for sure make the playoffs, but absolutely in the mix, maybe, uh, to contend uh, for the uh, playoffs next year. We'll see how that turns out. I think I think Buffalo is basically last year's Columbus. I think we'll see a ton of offense. They're going to be a great over team. They're going to be a team to bet on and get some wins, but that goaltending is going to uh, be the, the absolute crux of them. I mean, Anderson at 41 years old. Eric yeah. Comrie, who's, like I said, been hit or miss in limited spots. You bring back Malcolm Subban, who can't stay healthy. Uh, Uko Pekalukanen, they're still the guy that they're kind of counting on for the future. They're grooming but, him, yeah. But yeah. how long do you keep him in Ro- in Rochester yeah. uh, before you have to make, you know move him up at, at some point? And you, you've got these contracts. So Comrie's deal for two years, I was, I was stunned by that. So it, it, it's interesting to see what they have to shift around. stuff. If it ends up being Lukanen and Comrie at some point, and maybe, you know, Subban's not healthy enough to – at this point, he seems like he's an AHL goalie at best. Maybe, you know, Anderson's not he- fully healthy or he ends up retiring in midseason. Who knows? Something like that could happen easily. Then they're maybe in, in a prime spot to possibly be a, a playoff team at some point. I think I don't think they're ready yet. I think they're maybe a year or two at best away. I'll tell you guys, too, one thing I feel bad for Buffalo fans because you look at it right now. We were just talking about Gibson or even going back to D- Kachuk uh, trade talks there. They've got the artillery, the picks, the prospects, the young roster players yep. to pull deals like that off right now. But, I mean, it's pretty clear that the Pagoulers, their ownership there, have put all their money into the Buffalo Bills and just said, we're forgetting about hockey right now. And it's a shame yep. because they're in a prime position to take that leap right now, I think. Exactly. They played great at the end of the season last year. They they really are starting to form an identity under Granado, And I, I think they were ready to kind of – I don't know, playoff team, but maybe maybe they could have been the Senators last year, you know, and like right. kind of be taking that middle ground step. And I don't see it happening until the Pagulas sell the team. Like I think they're they're in some some tough times because they don't have the green light to spend the money. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Alex's sentiment with the overs with Buffalo next year as well. For sure. uh, definitely, definitely should see that. All right, some more uh, just quick hitters. Uh, Carolina, I want briefly. Brent Burns, veteran defenseman. Again, I think he can still. I think on a good, a good hockey team, he can still play well for them and be an impact. We'll see. Obviously, San Jose's had some tough years, but I think he gets reinvigorated. They already showed shots of him hard at work, training and getting ready for the off in the off season. So I think he welcomes this trade chance to you know play for a contender like the Carolina Hurricanes. They get, of course, Max Pacioretty because of just some absolute mismanagement of the utmost by the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, I can't believe that in the last two years they lose Marc-Andre Fleury and Max Pacioretty for fuck all, uh, essentially. Uh, it really is uh, shocking to me how just badly this has been botched by the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, now you're stuck with a hole to fill there, you know, and, and there, there's question marks about this Vegas team as far as I'm concerned uh, going into next year. There's no question about that. I feel for uh, Bruce Cassidy. I love the hire. That's the one thing I love, the hire uh, of Bruce Cassidy there in Vegas. But, boy, you know, you got to get the most out of Eichel. Uh, I didn't love it, the, it last. Now, maybe he just needs – we'll give him the chance to show with a full training camp, a full season start yes. to finish with the team. Can he step up and be that superstar player? They now need him to be with Max Pacioretty gone. You know, that's going to be the question uh, for Vegas. But, boy, from a if I'm Kelly McCrimmon right now, I am just – how the fuck did I botch this so badly right now with the cap? You know, I basically had to trade Max Pacioretty for nothing because I had to get cap compliant. How do you put get yourself in that kind of mess? How do you get yourself in that kind of position? Shocking. Shockingly well, it, bad. <laughs> and it's not even just that, not even just mismanagement of the cap, but now 
mismanagement of possibly getting future free agents to sign with you because two years in a row, you've let a top superstar go for nothing. And, and you've done it in such a way where it's alienated the fan base and even the players themselves. Obviously, you go back to the Flurry trade. The Flurry trade literally was for nothing. They got back an East Coast player who they didn't even want to bring to their own organization, and then they released him a week later. And then now you flip them around and you got you know future considerations from Carolina, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, future considerations is jack shit. Just yeah, for exactly. anyone that's wondering, yeah, yeah. nothing. So, yeah. so you know, and then now you you have this issue. You you know, Vegas is digging themselves a hole in the desert, pun intended, where they won't be able to sign guys because they're thinking, hey, you know, they're mismanaging shit this way now. What are they going to do later? What are they going to do when I'm here? And and you know, if I don't have a, one good season, all of a sudden they want to just move me out. You know, they keep flipping coaches around left and right. It's a really bad situation for them. And Jack Eichel, it's funny, I talked to a couple of people and they're saying, oh, you know, is he shaping up to be a bust? And I go, no. I get, you got to understand, this guy had a neck surgery that was pretty serious and needed to have it two years ago and, and you know, and had to wait around for it. You got to give this time to, to fully heal. Like I said, give him a full training camp and a full season. I think he's going, I think he's going to be, I think he was kind of overrated to begin with at, at the very beginning. Everybody thought he was just going to be uh, just this top tier superstar. I don't think that's the case, but I think he's, Definitely a, a, a top-line guy and a guy who can give you some, some quality production year after year when he's healthy. And you just have to give him time to, to fully get healthy. Yeah. Yeah, well, guys, I guess I'm going to sound like an idiot. Vegas Golden Knights, my pick for the cup. Wow. Yep. How about maybe that? It's my, my, maybe I'm not I do player. love them bringing Bruce on board. Yep, I got to admit. I, know, I don't Bruce just like that hire. That I love team. it. Yeah. That team, and you just said, how can you let all this happen? How do they keep doing this? How do they keep letting these guys go and keep being up against – because they're win now. That's it. Bill Foley is a win now guy. He yeah. wants a cup. And unfortunately, I think it ended up being a detriment to them that they made it to the Stanley Cup final in their first year ever. Because I think it gave them this wrong idea that, oh, we can always be here. We can keep doing this. And we'll just keep building. They got Coolio syndrome, but not a gangster's paradise, a spending paradise. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, like, that, you know, that, that's their fourth in the 90s and, in in you know, early yeah. 2000s when there was no cap. You know that you were able to do that, but now it doesn't work. Not with a cap. You have to, you have to build from within. You have to build through the draft. You have to make those key little signings, those under the radar type signings. You have to know how to run a team, and that's been the problem. But that being said, I still think they got a ton of talent there. I think Leonard can have a bounce back year, and even uh, what's his name there, the, Logan Thompson. The, yeah, Logan Thompson. Yeah, good. I, I just think that it's a perfect mix there with Bruce Cassidy right now. And I, I think they could do it. I think the only thing in their way will be the Colorado Avalanche because I think that team could end up being another Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's the that's a big obstacle there, obviously, in the West. Uh, but, man, I, I just – I like what I see from there. And I, I agree with everything both you and you guys said about Eichel. Is, yeah, I mean, look, let's give him time here. It was a pretty tumultuous last couple of years. You factor in COVID and all the other stuff. Now the guys had some time to settle in. I saw, you know, he was in that big softball thing they do with the Raiders and, and the Knights. Uh, it, I think it was two nights ago. He's settling into that community. He's starting to, you know, really get to know his teammates and everything off the ice. So give him a little time. I mean, if we're still looking at this November, December, or New Year's Day, and he hasn't really materialized there, then then I'd be worried. But I wouldn't be too worried about him just yet. Absolutely. No, no question about that. Uh, Colorado, one more thing about them. I'm, I'm fine with them signing Georgiev. I'm fine with it. Uh, you watch him on Colorado. I think I know we had our issues with him with New York. I get it. Inconsistency and all mm -hmm. that. But uh, I think on Colorado, he'll be all right there. 
Uh, and to be honest, I don't mind them letting Kemper walk. Of course, Kemper goes to Washington. Uh, yeah. Nice signing by them, considering they basically said goodbye to both Banachek and Samsonov mm-hmm. from last year's team. Banachek now uh, in New Jersey, so I'm okay with that. Uh, as far as uh, there's, uh, I'm trying to see who Detroit. That's who I wanted to mention from a positive standpoint. I mean, the Detroit Red Wings continue to build it the right oh, way. Yeah. Uh, Steve Eiserman, another nice offseason. You bring in David Perron, just a terrific top six forward the last few years. who's still playing at a high level. Power play dynamo. Uh, he's going to help them offensively. Andrew Kopp, such an outstanding signing. Great two-way center. Was great with the Jets. Great when the Rangers picked him up in the second half of last year. Had a great playoff. He's a hometown boy as well. Michigan kid. Now comes back home to play for the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, he played his college hockey at Michigan with the Wolverines. I mean, it's, it's just a perfect fit. Uh, an outstanding signing, bringing Andrew Kopp in for the uh, Detroit Red Wings. They had Ben Sherratt, Ole Mata, two capable guys on the blue line to help out the, the, the a, a superstar in the making and Maury Sider uh, on that blue line for the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, they bring in Billy Huso from the St. Louis Blues to insulate the goaltending. And now all of a sudden, look, Nadelkovic didn't have the best year he wanted. In Detroit last year no question about that he kind of suffered from going from Carolina to Detroit a little bit but this guy is not all of a sudden lost all of his talent you know he's a capable goalie still in the Delkovich and now you put him in a platoon goaltending role with Billy Huso I think that's a great tandem now in goal for the Detroit Red Wings so yeah big thumbs up for Steve Eiserman as Detroit keeps on building 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 and getting this thing uh pointed in the upward direction what do you think Alex no, I totally agree with you. I mean, the Huso signing is, is tremendous. And like I said, having him with Nadelkovic and Nadelkovic, as rough of a season as he had last year, he was, he was I think he was the, the most goal, pulled goalie uh, in the league last year. I think he had seven or eight pulls uh, during the season. I think, you know, he, he's still young. He's still got time to, to grow and develop as a goalie. So having Huso, you know, as a 1A, 1B system, which I think they def- desperately needed with those two guys, Huso, I don't, for as great of a year he had being that 1B guy in St. Louis. He's not ready to be a, a, a number one overall just yet. He needs to still be with that kind of same that same system, I think. So and it's a great move for them. They've got a, a lot of young talent, of course, with their forwards moving forward. Uh, we talked about the, how the, I said the Atlanta division gets flipped around. I think we see Detroit closer to the middle of the pack than the, at the bottom like they've been the last few years for sure. Yeah, definitely uh, good things there for the uh, uh, Red Wings moving forward. Uh, yeah. Just a couple more just to briefly to uh, wrap it up. Uh, Let me jump in on the Wings there, though, guys. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, come on, you know I'm a Wings fan. Uh, that's yes. my, one of my favorite teams growing up. And sorry, Alex, but uh, yeah, I mean, wow, what an offense. And I don't think he's done, guys. I really don't. I don't think Eisenman's done at all. Uh, I think he's got another one up his sleeve. Uh, he's been given the green light now by ownership to to take them to the next step. And as I as I jumped on Alex, you were talking about the Bruins being a down team, and I completely yeah. agree. I don't see the Bruins making the playoffs. Uh, I see both the Detroit Red Wings and Ottawa Senators finishing ahead of the Boston Bruins this season uh, and competing for maybe that final playoff spot out of the Atlantic. Uh, so I think they're in for a fun year there in Detroit. The future's bright, and even the present suddenly is bright as well. Yeah, absolutely. We're, I, I, I'm totally in agree. I think it's a clean sweep of the board here. We all think bet on with the yeah. Detroit Red Wings uh, mm-hmm. next year. Uh, no question about and that. Don't, and don't don't sleep on them getting Klingberg, guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple of notes, too, about, uh, by the way, Seattle. Uh, just briefly, going back to the draft, of course, Montreal takes Lukowski, of course, number one overall. They end up getting right, who fell to four, and people saying, now there's rumblings that, hey, he didn't interview well, he's got attitude issues, and we saw the stare 
given to the uh, Montreal draft table, of course, uh, when he got uh, drafted. But I think it's a perfect fit for Seattle. Desperately need a good center. Uh, he'll be fine. I think it's a great fit. Great that he actually fell in the lap of Seattle. People saying he fell all the way to four. Well, I don't think the second and the third teams, New Jersey or Arizona, were going to draft a center to begin right. with. They had other needs that were more uh, prevalent than center. So I think that's all why Wright went to a Seattle at four. Not so much, oh, he had attitude issues or he didn't interview well. I think it's more just a need situation. But he'll fit in well there with Seattle. I think they'll continue to you know, slowly improve uh, in the offseason. Uh, uh, I want to uh, mention, too, briefly uh, about Pittsburgh. Just briefly, just because the yeah. – uh, good job signing Malkin. Resigning him for another four years, great. What the hell are we doing giving Chris Letang six years, though, when he's 35 years old and he's going to be 41 at the end of that contract, that was a bit of ad scratcher. Now, I know you want to finish lifelong lifer as a penguin. I get that. But six years when he's 35 years old, that that was surprising. <laughs> yeah, I, unless they're doing some incredible medical research, which Pittsburgh is known for uh, as a city and, 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 it's, and it's medical. Yeah, UPMC sports medicine. Yes. Yeah, unless they're doing something, you know, and they're, they're finding, the, you know, the, the, you know uh, the useful extract to, to reverse aging. I don't know what the hell Pittsburgh's doing with all the money they have tied up and, and, and they're by far the oldest team in the league. As of now, they're only going to get older and they only have this money tied up. I don't think Malkin resigning was a good idea. He's constantly hurt. I don't think Latang resigning. He's constantly hurt. We know about Sidney Crosby as great as he is. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to retire as a, as a penguin, but he's constantly hurt as well. Uh, and you, you only have $2 million right now in cap space. So what happens when these guys get hurt again? Not, not, you know, if, when because it happens every single season so you, and you don't have the the kind of, of of uh you know stockpile in the nhl that you used to have five six years ago you haven't drafted that well you haven't scouted that well so the penguins are, are headed to a deep decline and you know okay yeah all the fans will get to see their favorite players retire in, in black and yellow but you know the next 10 years after it might look like how it did you know before uh crosby and and, and that gang got there I mean, it, 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 they're headed toward a, a disastrous collision with being at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, I think, in the next few years, uh, keeping all these old guys around. I, I, I don't understand it one bit. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. And uh, that's definitely something to uh, – it's questionable. I mean, I could live with Malkin at four years, but the Latang thing, it's – and even – but you mentioned it. He's been injury-prone too, Malkin. So that's the issue there. At, but when's, the last time, when's the last time you had a season with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang all play – even 75 games together. Well, you're going to have to go back a ways to, to yeah. determine that. Uh, there's there's no question. Uh, so interesting. And, of course, they just dealt uh, Mike Matheson, of course, to Montreal, and they got Jeff Petrie uh, and Ryan Paling uh, in return from the uh, Montreal Canadiens. And it's not like Petrie's coming off a great season uh, for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So yeah, so they get old, they're getting older and older and, and not building anything. Their average them. age went up. Yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah. Uh, in this off season, so Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh's another one of those teams fighting for their lives. I think to get in the playoffs next year. I think I, I think the Bruins playoffs. need to stop living in the past. I mean, the yeah. Bruins are stuck in 2011, and the Penguins are stuck in 16, 17. It's like move on, yeah. just get, you know, accept reality and start rebuilding. And it's just, it, it's sad to see teams do this, man. Like, I mean, like they think, oh well, we're gonna lose our fan base. No, you're not. You might be down in ticket sales for a bit, but in the long term, if you don't keep doing this, it's going to help you, and you're going to you're going to get back. We've seen teams look at the New York Rangers get back within it, you know, in three years when they they wrote their fan base a letter. They said, "Get ready, here's what we're doing." But in three years, they're right back in it, and this year they're two games away from the Stanley Cup. 
So, it, you know, it, like, suck it up and rebuild. It depends on how you rebuild. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, but you got to at least try. Yeah, you know? and, and not the way to stay competitive and at your best and be a true contender, because it sure sounds like they still want to be a Stanley Cup contender. It's not giving six-year deals to guys that are 35 years old that yeah. can't stay healthy for a full season. Yeah. yeah. To Petrie's credit, though, guys, I mean, obviously, I, I, I saw him up close a lot and paid attention to him a lot this past year in Montreal. And, you know, once St. Louis was hired, man, he was a completely different player. He had a really, if you go back and look at his stats under Ducharme and under St. Louis, and especially in the final month of the season, uh, his stats went way up. He improved game by game by game. Um, so, you know, there's still something there. Uh, Ryan Palin is just, you know, maybe he needs a change of scenery. He's he's a project still, I think, as far as I'm concerned. But at least really a big flash there. early, and then it kind of, you know, yeah, you know, I, I don't know about that. him, but um. Yeah. I think there's still something there at Peachy, but I love the deal for Montreal. I mean, I, I think Mike Matheson's going to really prosper there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he had a, he's another guy that had a great second half, and I think you know he learned a lot playing with guys like Latang and Crosby and Malkin. So he's going to help those young kids a lot. Yeah, uh, here's a team that's been quiet. We'll talk Florida. We'll talk, and we'll let Alex rant about Chicago, and then we'll wrap the show <laughs> up. But Florida. You have time for that? <laughs> are they are they good? Better are they better than last year? As good as last year or worse than last year? I'm kind of leaning worse just because I don't know if the Paul I like Paul. You know I love Paul. Paul in terms of press conferences, Paul Maurice is outstanding. I don't know if this is the best fit though. Paul Maurice has been more of a guy that wants the cycle game, the heavy four check game. Well, that's not the way Florida is probably at the best way for them to play offensively. They're a transition team. You know, they're a speed team. You know, it's a little bit different from the way Maurice's teams have typically played. Is it the best fit is a big question mark. What do you think, Alex, of Florida going into next year, especially I, coming off the President's Trophy year? You know, it's it's not a natural fit, but I think it's what Florida needs. If they're going to be a Stanley Cup winning team, they have to have that balance. You can't go – they they just weren't not able to keep going up and down. And, and like I talk about conferences all the time. Florida was in the West. Yeah, they probably would have won a cup already, but they're in the East. And not only are they in the East, they're in the Atlantic. So you got to go through – Teams that can shut you down like Tampa Bay, uh, you know, even on, on a good night uh, until recently, Boston. Uh, you know, you, you got teams that can defensively body you and battle you, and they're not going to let you just just run all over them. The, the running gun system is not going to work every single night, and it's definitely not going to work once you get into April and May. Uh, so I think Maurice ends up being a, a decent fit. I think Florida's going to play the same kind of hockey early that we saw early last year, but I think we see them – add a little bit more defense in. They're, they're more responsible on their own end. Uh, and, and, you know, if we can see uh, that the goaltending improve, so basically we're saying, you know, uh, you know. Give me more Spencer Knight, please. Yes. More Spencer Knight, seeing yeah. him, you know, blossom and, and develop. And, and honestly, Bobrovsky, if he can try and play it as well as he did uh, the last couple of years and, and, you know, still be that, that top-tier guy, it's turned them obviously more into a 1A, more B situation because of how good Knight is projected to be. But that's fine because, you know, Bobrovsky has played a ton of games. You don't want to just run him into the ground either. So I think overall, and we've seen over the years with, with Maurice in Winnipeg, even though he had a guy that he could kind of – and they kind of did run into the ground, I think, in, in Connor Hellebuck, but he knows how to manage a 1A, 1B system with goaltending. I think all that together, I think Florida actually looks to be pretty good. And like I said, as far as that division goes, they're one of those teams that have been at the top that I don't think they're going to fall off as much. I think, obviously, we said Boston falls way off. I think Toronto is just kind of still just in the mix in the middle. Tampa Bay is going to have a slow start, in my opinion. 
I think Florida is probably going to be at the top. I would look for Florida to win that division uh, again next, next year. There you go. Jimmy, thoughts on Florida? You know, I'm, I'm with you. I love Paul Maurice. I just I didn't quite get that higher. Uh, I, I think Andrew Burnett got shafted, to be honest. Uh, the guy did great when he took over in a really tough predicament. Uh, you know, not only you're replacing a legendary coach, you're coming in in a really shitty situation, to be honest. Yeah. And, I think he got uh, crucified for the shitty power play in the playoffs, quite yeah, honestly. Well, and there was no know, adjustment, I, and I think he got paid the price a little for that. Yeah, but, you know, I, I put a lot of that in the players, and I put it on the GM. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that they need to do some moving and shaking with the roster there, and I, I don't think mm-hmm. they did enough there to improve that roster. I like them. I still think they're going to be a contender. I don't know if they win the division, but then you look at the division. I don't know. The, the, the Atlantic division is going to be crazy this year. That's all I'll say. Yep. Mm-hmm. It'll be a fun division to watch. There's no question about that. And I think it speaks volumes about where Winnipeg's headed that Paul Maurice bolted last year from them. Uh, that good, You talk about bet against next year? Oh, Winnipeg's on that list. You better believe it. Yep. Not good things. Pierre-Luc Dubois might be dealt maybe to Montreal or at least not out fine. of Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's just not looking good for the Winnipeg. No, Blake no. Wheeler's best days are behind. I mean, you go on and on down the list. That, I mean, that, I like that division. The yeah. bottom of that division is an entire mess. Yeah, it is. And Winnipeg's got some issues for sure. Speaking of teams that's got issues, we're going to wrap this show up. A great free agency show long, but we figured we'd go a little bit longer. This is the one probably only time we'll see you now because we're really going to be off the grid until late September, early October after this show. It really is. We're back basically prior to the start of next season after today's show. So uh, we want to, although I might do a little solo show later in the summer to reveal my top uh, in order, top 30, 31, 32 play up. Uh, Local broadcast teams. I promised uh, Cheshire Cat I was going to do that. So I will do that at some point over the summer just to uh, reveal my favorite broadcast teams in order. For, uh, maybe next month we'll do that. But before we wrap up this show, Alex, we want you to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks. What a shit show of an offseason. Absolute disasters. And and, and you can – I mean, where do you want to start? You, you just mentioned about you're going to do your list of the 32 uh, top play-by-play guys. You got to rank them probably 31st to 32nd this upcoming season. You lost Pat Foley and Ed Olchek. Uh, yeah, Chris Boster's in question mark next yeah. year. Yeah. So, I mean, this this is just disastrous. And, and I, I said it earlier, Jimmy. I said, you know, yeah, rebuilds are tough, but it depends on how you rebuild. And we, the Hawks fans, we all knew a rebuild was coming. Like I said, they wrote a letter in the newspaper. They did the same thing. We knew changes were going to be made. 2010 and 2013 and 2015, those years are, are well past us. But then you go and you trade off the two pieces you're supposed to rebuild with, Alex DeBrinkett and Kirby Doc. You trade them and get draft picks, and it didn't seem like anything was really comfortable with, with who they were drafting, where, what position they were drafting. The, the scouting's been pretty bad for the Hawks since going back to really at the, the tail end of the Dell Talent era. They've only been able to hit maybe a couple of pieces as far as drafting goes. Most of the guys they drafted have been bust and, 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 and you know petered out in Rockford. So this is not the team you can trust to rebuild within. They can't spend a whole lot of money. For those who don't know, the Hawks have not turned a profit on their own in now what's going to be three decades. If it wasn't for the Wurtz liquor conglomerate, that's pretty much what's keeping the lights on with the Hawks. It's been like that since I was a little child. It's absolutely disastrous. And now I woke up last week and I thought, okay, here's the day. This is going to be just like it was October 6, 1993 or, 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 or January 13, 1999, the two days that – the Michael Jordan retired from the Bulls and everything just completely collapsed with that organization. Of course, things bounce back in between, but I'm thinking Patrick Kane's gone. He's no longer a Blackhawk. He's going to get dealt somewhere. 
Instead, he decides he's going to stick around and, and wait things out, which in my mind only means one of two things. And, and, and this also includes Jonathan Taves, who they have been sent, you know, rumored to be shopping around. One of two things happens. These two guys are waiting to see which teams are contenders. And by the trade deadline, they both get moved somewhere. Or, and this is the best move for the organization, honestly, unless you can get a gigantic haul back for either one of these guys, is you keep them around and you have them announce that they're both retiring at the end of the year and you have this big send-off and, and that's the only way you're going to get fans and seats in the United Center because it's going to look like it did in 2002 and 2003. It's only going to be 6,000, 7,000 people in, in, in the United Center any given night, the way that this lineup is. This is a lineup, if they're fully healthy, they're just barely a 500 team. They have a goaltending tandem of Peter Morazic, who's bounced around and has been basically mediocre at absolute best. And then Alex Stalock, a guy who I I only because he's a South St. Paul native and I've actually had friends, mutual friends with him. I literally drank with one of his high school classmates five days before he got signed. And she said, well, he's fine. He's doing well. He, he dealt with COVID and missed the whole year. When he came back, his numbers were absolutely horrendous. I mean, even the AHL, I think he had an 8.78 save percentage in the AHL. He had like a, like a, a 4 and, and 11 mark between the AHL and the NHL. This dude's basically playing out the rest of his career so he can get enough games in to collect his pension. I've heard this said from people who know him closely. That was three years ago. And now he's the backup goalie to Peter Morazic, who can barely stay healthy. The blue line's still a mess. Your best offensive player is Patrick Kane, who may not stay the whole season. Jonathan Taves, who's had a bunch of injury issues himself, who I actually thought was going to retire at the end of this past season. It's an absolute fucking shit show. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants to watch it. And now we have to watch it and not even hear Pat Foley and Eddie O. It's going to be disastrous. And for Hawks fans, I mean, if you didn't deal with the – the, the terrible years from 1999 to 2004, you jumped on the bandwagon in 2010 and you've been coasting solidly, get ready because it's going to even be worse than it was in 2002 and 2003. It, it's going to be awful. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see, you know, people just completely just jump off the train altogether. You're going to, you know, the Hawks are going to go right back in the skinny and mediocrity. We're not going to see their games. And especially now with ESPN getting the, the, the TV deals back. They're going to treat us just like they did in 2003 and 2004. You might see one or two national games a year, if that. And once Kane and Taves are gone, things are only going to get worse. Yes, they'll have cap space open, but they don't know how to spend the money. They don't know. They, they Kyle Davidson has already kind of shown his ineptitude as GM, making trades just as bad as we saw from Stan Bowman. The, the Luke Richardson hire was a bit questionable, but then I realized he took less money than any of the other coaches that were available. Oh, and then you bring Derek King back as an assistant. You think that won't cause any kind of rifts if shit starts off bad for Richardson? It, it's, it's an absolute mess. I'm really glad that the Wolves are the best team in the NHL again because I'm back to where I was when I was nine years old. I can watch more Wolves games than Hawks games and at least de- see some decent hockey from Chicago. Tell us how you feel, Alex. <laughs> Bravo. Hey, but it's not all bad. You got Max Domi and Andreas at Tennessee there now. Uh, yeah, look, Max Domi's a, a bright One spot. thing I want to say, I want to ask you, though, Alex, a year from now, if they've drafted Connor Bernard, are you singing a different tune? It's still going to be a mess. How are they not doing all of this shit and not telling their fan base, hey, we're tanking for Connor Bedard? I mean, even, even I mean, even, even if they get Connor Bedard, is he, is he, is he going to be the same? Is, is he going to be the next Patrick Kane to just turn everything around? I, I mean, guys, everything you hear about this kid, he's, he's the next Connor, you know, he's the next Connor McDavid. I mean, people, this, this guy yeah. is going to be a stud, but if the, if the Hawks cleared cap space and found a way to get Connor McDavid, that still would be bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I still think they're going to, I think the Hawks are, are the Bruins West, man. I mean, and, and look, everything you just said about what you went through as a kid, Alex, with the, with the Blackhawks. Now, given I didn't have to deal with all that TV mess, but the Bruins were the same thing. I mean, it's that's the way Jacobs always are, just like the words. The Jacobs and the Wurtzes are identical. They're they're just yep. cheap. They don't give a shit about the fans. They don't care about the hockey. They just want to get their ticket revenue. They want to get any type of revenue they can. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if the success of the team is the price to get it. And that's what's going to happen in Boston, too. That's what the Bruins are in for right now. They're going, and people say, well, they've been spending the cap. You can still spend it a cap and, and cut corners and, and really, you know, hurt the team in terms of talent and skill on the ice. And I think the Hawks are the same way right now, man. I feel bad for you. I feel bad for all the Hawks fans. But at least you had a good run. But uh, get yeah. ready for some some really tough times in Chicago for sure. Yeah, definitely. It is. And, you know, I like how they phrase it. Or I think the, 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 the Kane camp in particular tried to phrase it. Well, Patrick Kane's going to see how the team starts next year. Does anyone think this team's going to be fucking good next year at the beginning? This is not Patrick Kane thinking, oh, I want to see if this team actually could be good, and then I'll make my decision what I'm going to do with the trade deadline. This is him waiting to see who's good in terms of the contenders at the trade deadline and then deciding where am I going to go, where am I going to land my boat, so to speak. And look to me, that team's going to be the New York Rangers if look, he at, gets look, at the lineup, look at the opening night lineup last year, and, and, and he got everybody's hopes up thinking, okay, well, maybe this team can make a run and possibly sneak in as a wild card. We've got Mark andre Fleury, you know, uh, Seth Jones, can he can he revitalize his career? And what happened? They go 0-9-2, mainly because the change they should have made, which they didn't until they were forced to, was get rid of Jeremy Gall. So had they had they made, made Derrick King the coach at the beginning of the year, who knows? Maybe they go 5-4 and four in that stretch, and they actually do – end up being a team that falls off at the end of the of the season as opposed to, you know, the, the, the first month. Yeah, so what, what Kane is waiting for has nothing to do with what's going on in 1901 West Madison. It's what's going on with any of the other 31 teams around the league. Who's going? Who's contending? Who's going to give me my best shot, maybe, to win a Stanley Cup elsewhere? And that, I think the New York Rangers are the ultimate fit. He loves playing with Artemi Panarin. Uh, there obviously would be a, a team that would make a big move. Chris Drury would at the deadline, knowing they got so close this year, way ahead of schedule. No one expected necessarily an Eastern Conference Finals appearance from the New York Rangers this year, uh, and now they're expecting just, just as much, if not more, next year. And you know, I think. Patrick Kane there at the trade deadline next year to the New York Rangers. I'm saying don't be shocked uh, if he, we indeed uh, end up seeing that happening. But uh, Guys, but I mean, yeah. going back to Buffalo, wouldn't it be nice if they could spend money right now? They, they'd mean, be interested. hundred percent. They they hometown kid. Yep. Well, talk about revitalizing your market if you could get yep. him. You know, yep. I wouldn't want to be a taxi cab driver there, but it would be good. <laughs> but in, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, it'd be a great fit. He's a hometown kid. He, he and he would play in Buffalo. Like that probably actually would be one of his top three or four choices. You know, I think New York because they're closer to a cup than Buffalo, obviously. But the, the Rangers, I mean. But uh, Buffalo would be an option, and it would what be would finally pony up the bucks to pull off a trade like that if you're Pagula and give Kevin Adams the chance to make a deal like that. Guys, yeah. what about LA? I don't know if you Good touched point. on them earlier, but that's a bet on team for me as well this year. And and keep in mind. <laughs> Because Kyle Davidson, once again, ineptitude, had a chance to move Alex Zabrinkit and possibly get Quentin Byfield, Alex Turcotte, and a draft pick back oh, two wow. weeks before the draft I didn't and didn't that. pull the trigger on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so L.A. might be a, might be a fit potentially. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're, gonna, they're not going to give up that kind of a haul. For Kane, like they would have for Debrinket, but no, it's a it's a possible fit. Yeah, they've got know. they've got plenty of uh, prospect capital, 
draft pick capital, young guys on their and, that, and that's the thing. Capital. Yeah, and 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 the, and the Hawks, like I said, they're clearly trying to build draft wise. So the yeah. teams with more draft picks are going to win out than the teams with with actual talent that's proven. Right, uh, that mean, can be moved. And, and that's the thing I'll say, guys. Keep an eye on is you know as we go on with all these trade rumors and all this as we approach, like my teams that I think have are in the best position to pull off these trades are the LA Kings, the Detroit Red Wings, the Ottawa Senators, and Jersey Devils, just because of their cap situations and, and, and all they have with young players that already have a taste in the NHL. Uh, they have a lot of attractive pieces and scenarios there uh, that, you know, the teams that have these players like a Kane, or as we saw to bring to move uh, are looking for. Yeah. Kane, I, I, the only three teams I could see Kane getting moved to would be LA uh, Buffalo or, or the New York Rangers. And I, yeah. I, I threw out Calgary as a mix. And I said, if, if they're, you know, really trying to scramble and, 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 you know, push the panic button. And if they do, and, and I'm Kyle Davidson, the first thing I'm asking for is Dustin Wolf without question that, that he's a kid that I think that's going to be like I said, ready for prime time sooner than later. Yeah. Uh, and the Hawks need Golton to help Drew Camesso's on the way, but you get Wolf in there and, and that at least formalizes one position moving forward in the next few years. Yeah, that stinks on ice. Mirazik and Staylock, by the way, that tandem, that is just, that's overs, as bad as it gets. Overs, first period moment. overs, full game overs. Yeah. Team totals for the opponent. Yep. You know, three and a half, four and a half, even if we see them. Yep. 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 You'll see six to six and a half and sevens quickly yep. with the Hawks. Yeah. And, and, and the worst part is it's going to all be on the other team. You won't even be able to bet over six and a half because especially if Kane and Taves are gone, who's, where's their offense? Yeah. I mean, that's the th- that's why team totals for the opponent, maybe yeah. isolate yeah. that yeah. might be the yeah. best way uh, to go about it with Chicago next year. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. I mean, we gave you an hour and 40 minutes uh, just uh, we, and it basically mentioned something about pretty much every team and uh, certainly all the teams that were active, at least uh, on uh, during the free agency period. Uh, we're going to be, like I said, off the grid till probably just before the start of next season. But uh, we will be back next season and we're looking forward to it. Alex, just some final words before we wrap this up. Yeah, it's been uh, you know a, a nice off season. It's been nice to have a full off season, you know, for once. And uh, and uh, obviously, great talking with you guys and, and, and talking hockey. And I hope everybody enjoyed the program today. And yeah, just uh, you know, looking forward to what you know, just uh, an ever changing landscape in the NHL as always. And so, be interesting to see what happens between now and opening night on uh, October twelfth. All right, absolutely. And Jimmy, it was great to have you on the show today. Uh, right, final words see, from yeah. you. Same thing. You know, thanks to everyone for following us and, and watching uh, throughout the season and uh, to you guys for being a great co-host and, and Andrew as well. Uh, you know, and let's see what happens. I think there's still a lot that could go down between now and October 12th. So uh, I look forward to wrap, you know, kind of wrapping that up and looking ahead to the season when we come back on. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Have a great summer, everybody. Hit the like button on the way out. Uh, if you're watching this show, we appreciate it very much. And, uh, We will be back prior to the start of next season. We're looking forward to it. For Alex B. Smith and Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. This has been the NHL Free Agency Recap Special Edition of the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.